Welcome to the Herbal Womb Wisdom Podcast, where we explore the embodied practice of herbalism with the womb at the center for folks who are new to herbs or herbalists in the making. This is a place to become empowered to include herbs and natural therapies in your personal health and, most importantly, to reconnect to the deep wisdom and healing capacity of your own body and the earth. I'm your host, clinical herbalist and integrative health educator, Kailea Honeybee. Let's dive in. Hi, beautiful friends. Welcome. Welcome back. If you're returning, welcome. Welcome if you're new. Well, today is interesting because COVID is in the house, actually in the house with Just, who's my partner. He has been having a rough few days, and I think that it is probably infiltrating my cells too. I can't tell if I've got a mild case of it or if my body is just hardcore fighting it off, but I am feeling fatigued and I am feeling like my brain is blurry. (laughs) And while I was meant to be prepping for this, an in-depth podcast topic this weekend, I actually had a kind of exciting one planned. I really did not have the mental capacity to do that. So this morning I actually woke up and didn't know what I was going to do and was just like, well, maybe I'll just do another one of those mashups like I did during the holidays. And, you know, how could this be easy? Okay, that could be an option. But it just didn't feel it wasn't sitting quite right with me. And so I was mentioning it to Just, who honestly was only upright for uh, an hour or so this morning. But I was mentioning it to him and he was like, well, what about a shorty? And I was just like, well, a shorty, I don't have any ideas for a shorty. And then I asked myself, how can this be easy? How can this be easy? Not that it can't take effort, but how can this be an easy thing for me to offer to you? Because this week is the second anniversary of Herbal Womb Wisdom. Herbal Womb Wisdom is two years old now as of this week. So I feel really compelled to offer an episode that is fresh and new, but also simple for me to bring forward. And so I got to thinking, well, I'm drinking tea today. Why not talk about the simple and slow medicine of herbal tea and share a little bit about my personal blend that I have today and also just why I think it is foundational to cultivate a relationship with tea. Whether or not that becomes the main way that you're working with herbs, I really believe that getting to know the plants in a way where you're able to actually taste them, to get a mouthfeel for them, to smell them, to touch them, to see them in their bulk form, their bulk dried form, and then start to blend them into teas, at least to have a little of that experience really helps to start cultivating that relationship with the plants and with your body. And to me, that slow, deep medicine is part of what herbalism offers to us. It's part of what helps us to connect with the earth around us, with people's medicine. You know, plants to me are people's medicine. Plant medicine is people's medicine. And in order for that to really be the case, we have to get to know the plants, the plants that are living around us, the plants that we can grow. And the plants that we can just bring into our lives in the form of tea as well. So before we dive into this, let's do the disclaimer that nothing that I share today is medical advice. It is all for your own information and education. I am an herbalist. I am a health coach. I am an educator. And it is just for your personal empowerment, for you to do your own research, to feel into what feels true and right for you, because your own body, your own womb space 
always know best. And if you have any specific conditions or concerns, seek out the support of a practitioner or a coach or an herbalist or someone that feels like the right person to support you in what you've got going on. Okay, so to begin this episode, it may be a short one, we'll see. (laughs) I want to say a few things. Tea can be a lot easier than buying a ton of bulk herbs and stocking them in your house. That's what I do. I have a bulk herbal apothecary. I've got probably at least 75, if not close to 100 different bulk dried herbs in my little pantry herbal apothecary. And that is not something that everyone needs. It can be very simple. It could be just buying a couple of bulk herbs and starting to play with them. It could also just be using bagged teas, pre-blended bulk teas. And you can even mix some of those together to start making really nice blends that are more personal for you. So I do that all the time. So like actually getting bagged teas, like for instance, one of my go-tos recently has been an organic India Tulsi tea. It could there's a lot of different varieties that they have, but one of their organic the organic India Tulsi teas, and then mixing that with either a turmeric ginger or maybe a throat coat, like depending on what I need that day. If I feel like, oh, I need some moistening, then I'll go for something like a throat coat. And then if I feel like, oh, I'm actually needing to rub up my digestion, I'm needing some support with, you know, something going on in my gut, then I might add the ginger turmeric one or who knows, maybe if I decide that I need a little more calming, I have a nice lavender chamomile one. There, There's just different options that I have that are really easy. And it's like, I don't have to go into my bulk herb apothecary and grab different herbs and blend them together in a bowl and then put them into a, a jar. Instead of that, I can actually just use the bag teas. So I encourage you, this is not something like even me Presenting this idea of starting to blend herbs does not mean that you even have to go and get bulk herbs. However, you can do that. And there are many places to do that. It could be at a lot of natural food stores will have a little section with bulk herbs. Co-ops will often have a little section with bulk herbs. So those are places that you could start to explore just getting small amounts. There's herb shops. If you have any herb shops locally, that's a great place to go and try out a few different herbs. You might want to just try small amounts because you're going to want to taste these things before you buy an entire half pound or pound of them, which is often what you can get when you look on the internet for things. There's lots of online retailers who are selling bulk herbs. So there's a lot of different options for you in terms of where to get these. However, starting small, if you're totally new to it, just try with bagged teas and try mixing them up. It's really about starting to connect with these plants and learn to learn what your body needs and really respond to whatever you're seeking that day, bringing that into the form of herbal tea. Even just bag teas is slow medicine. Even just working with black bag teas because you have to heat the water up, then you have to steep the herbs, and then you sip, you can smell, you can taste, you can get a little bit of the mouthfeel. It's a little different than working with total bulk herbs, but it is something that's an option for you, and it's super simple right there for you, accessible in your kitchen, probably already. So I do really encourage, though, that you start to stock a, at least a few bulk herbs so you can start playing around with them. It could be just two or three And all you need is the bulk herbs, a tea strainer, and a vessel of some kind to brew the tea. That could be like a jar with a lid, a teapot, a French press, etc. Like really, this can be simple. It could be a jar. Like you probably have a mason jar. You put the herbs into the jar. You pour the just boiled hot water over the herbs. You cover that 
with a the lid and then you steep that for 15 to 20 minutes and then you strain it and then you drink it. And it's really as simple as two to three teaspoons of bulk herbs per cup of just boiled water. I do have an entire episode actually about herbal teas and all the different ways that you can make herbal teas from the infusion that I just described. This is just kind of a basic tea to things like decoctions, which are more simmered teas, which is what you would be using if you have more barks or tougher seeds or roots. So that's a decoction or a simmered tea. And then there's things like nourishing infusions. So there are different ways to work with herbs in the form of tea with water. And I have an entire episode all about that. So I will definitely put that in the show notes for you so that you can go to that link and really get kind of the DIY step-by-step version of it. For now, just this idea that tea is simple, it can be simple, and the simplest form of it is really just pouring hot water over herbs and letting it steep for 15 to 20 minutes and then drinking, straining and drinking. So there is more nuance depending on the herbs, but this is the basic idea. If you're less familiar with herbs, you could go very simple and just start with things like chamomile, peppermint, tulsi, or holy basil. Those are really nice tasting herbs. They're often very familiar for folks. They're really simple herbs to start working with. You can often find them in almost any store that you may even find bulk herbs in your grocery store, depending on where you're living and what grocery store you're going to. But chamomile, peppermint, tulsi, super simple, easy ways to get started. Also, herbs that you've probably worked with before. But you can start to blend them. Like the idea, Actually, the combination of chamomile and peppermint particularly, and then let's say you add in just like a little bit of licorice or a little bit of marshmallow, super healing for your gut lining. So if you've got things going on, if you've got any pain, if you've got gas, if you've got bloating, if you've got even things that are more significant going on, IBD, that sort of thing, an herbal tea can be one of the most supportive ways to actually get herbs into and along your gut lining. And something as simple as chamomile and peppermint can be allies for you. So really, even I'm, I'm talking about these like, oh, these are just such simple herbs, which is true. And Simple herbs are very good medicine. Simple herbs can be an apothecary unto themselves. And I think a lot of times are overlooked because we are seeking that kind of big maha herb or that big maha action when really the medicine of tea is that slow, gentle, gradual support. It's in water. Our bodies are made primarily of water. It's steeped in water. It brings out the constituents that are water-soluble. And then it coats. Like, really, we take it in to our digestive tract, and it really travels through our digestive tract and actually can coat the lining of the mucosa along the digestive tract, can really bring the medicinal actions into that place. And of course, not only is it our digestive tract, but we have so much of our nervous system is in relationship with our gut, right? The gut-brain connection is a very real thing. And so when we're working on things like digestion or we're working on things like nervous system, Tea is a key in my mind, truly a fundamental key to effective herbal medicine when we're working with those kinds of conditions. 
If you're more familiar with herbs, then experiment. That is the way that we learn. Some herbs taste pretty awful in tea and you're not going to know until you try them, until you actually get the taste of the herb. For instance, when I see motherwort in a tea blend, I cringe because I know what motherwort tastes like in tea. It does not taste good. It's bitter. It's kind of earthy. It makes me kind of want to gag. So the idea that that's then put into a tea, of course, yes, you can put motherwort in and then you can really blend in a whole bunch of other herbs to make it not overpowering and maybe even make it taste okay. But honestly, to get the real medicinal action of motherwort, you kind of need a decent dose of it. So Motherwort, I always go to as a tincture. That just feels like the right direction to go with that. However, getting to know the herbs, getting to know, unless you're really trying to go for bitter or something, but getting to know the herbs, getting to know the plants that you're working with so that you know the tastes is really helpful when you're starting to create tea blends. And you'll want to start getting to know, like, what are the stronger tastes? And if they are stronger, like I'm saying, like I was saying with motherwort, how do you mask some of those challenging flavors? What are some of the herbs that you might be able to use to mask some of those challenging flavors? Sometimes that's something like licorice because it's a little bit of a sweet and kind of mucilaginous. And so it will kind of, you know, tend to some of those edges that might be more bitter or more drying. Or you might want to add something like peppermint that just has a very strong aromatic scent that can kind of overpower some of those other less desirable tastes, right? So like depending on where you're going, what you're wanting to create, you can be choosing your herbs to really blend in ways that are more sophisticated and that actually taste good. Because the truth is most of us are not going to regularly drink tea that doesn't taste good. We might drink it once in a while if we're really sick, if we're acutely unwell. We might be like, okay, I'm going to get this down. I'm going to take this really disgusting tasting thing and I'm going to do it. But to drink that three times a day or two times a day for weeks or months at a time, which is really how tea works as a medicine, if you're really intentionally working with it to be therapeutic over time, if you've got something going on, you're going to be wanting to drink it that often. And so in order to do that, yeah, you want it to taste at least pretty decent, right? So creating a balanced tea blend is an art, and it's one that I'm always learning more about, but I do think that it's often overlooked that the taste matters. And I know that Chinese medicine has people drinking all kinds of weird flavors, but most people here in the United States are not going to drink those decoctions, those simmered teas. They just won't. And so that's why a lot of people use those tea pills. They're like dehydrated tea that then you can take as little kind of powder balls the Chinese medicine tea pills, because it's really hard to actually drink those disgusting tasting decoctions <laughs> that are blended together and suggested. So for your own benefit and the benefit of anyone that you make tea for, start with tasting the herbs individually and then combined. And I have to credit my time at Halo in Nevada City, California, where I used to live which is now Remedy Garden, for being the first place that I really got to explore blending teas medicinally. My love for tea formulation with bulk dried herbs really started there. And it was like people would come in and they would have something going on and they would just be like, oh, can you blend me up a tea? And so I was able to work with, we had, you know, maybe 200, 250, I'm not sure, bulk herbs that were available, dried herbs. And so I could choose between them. I would just look at the wall and just kind of think through what's here, 
what's going to taste okay? And then blending it in the moment for that person was, it was just a really beautiful kind of magical, very medicinal act, right? To intentionally listen to what someone has going on and then to allow myself to sort of tune into the herbs that were available and get a sense of which ones would be medicinal and then which ones would taste good together and how to blend them up together. It's a really beautiful practice. And it's something that I loved so much that I have now created my own little bulk herbal apothecary that's mostly for us. It's just home herbalism, really. I used to blend things for clients and occasionally I still will if I just have that much bulk herb. But honestly, when I'm working with clients, a lot of times they need like larger bulk amounts because they're going to be needing over time to be taking a lot of them. And I just can't stock enough for all the clients. So I now work with the dispensary and that just feels a lot easier for me. But for our home use and for, you know, occasionally if I have a friend who's pregnant or postpartum or just had a miscarriage or is unwell in some way or just needs a little, a little stock of some kind of nice tea, then I will blend them up something. And I love that. I love having access to bulk dried herbs and not at the level that we did at the apothecary where it was an herb shop where we were selling things all the time, but just having a little bit of backstock can be incredibly empowering at a home herbalism or just like small community family herbalism level. And is something that I encourage you to explore in yourself. Like, what are the key herbs for you that you know that you want to work with regularly in tea? Things like I wouldn't want to be without Tulsi. I wouldn't want to be without chamomile. I wouldn't want to be without linden. I wouldn't want to be without licorice. I wouldn't want to be without rose. You know, like I have certain herbs that I just, it would be hard for me to go through my life and not have as bulk herbs that are options for me that I might need. And each of those herbs is an apothecary unto itself. Like it really isn't that we need so many herbs. Really, Tulsi itself, I mean, I have a whole podcast episode in it. I will link to that in the show notes, but it is an incredible plant. It is everything from supportive as an adaptogen for our nervous system, reducing anxiety, uplifting, bringing more focus into and presence into our space, which I'll actually talk about because it's part of my tea today. But it's also really helpful for respiratory infections. It can be helpful as a carminative to calm your digestion. It can be helpful in so many, it's anti-inflammatory, blood sugar balancing, has so many different actions and is just one plant. So same thing with chamomile, lots of different actions. Same thing with licorice, lots of different actions. And so it's really when you start to get to know the plants, you can actually be formulating, You it can be very simple. Tea medicine is slow medicine is simple medicine, and it is beauty medicine too. Really, when you think of an herbal tea blend, especially when you add a little bit of rose in there, beauty medicine is also medicine. So you've got all these different pieces of what slow medicine is, of what tea medicine is, the relationship that you're cultivating with the plants, the relationship you're cultivating with your own body, with your presence, with taking the moments to actually brew the tea and then to drink the tea, to smell it, to feel it in your body. So these are some of the reasons that I feel that tea is a foundational medicine for us and a foundational skill to cultivate. And I also want to say that it's people's medicine, right? It is accessible medicine. And when you think about herbal medicine, like sometimes people are like thinking about herbal medicine, they're thinking about 
distilling essential oils or they're thinking about making spagyrics or even complex tinctures or standardized extracts. And the reality is, is that that's not what I consider to be people's medicine. All of those take extra time, energy, materials, the right environment and techniques that all require more advanced training or more money. They're, they can be expensive. You need different storage containers, all of this kind of thing. But herbal tea is simple. It's accessible. It's inexpensive. And all we need is hot water and herbs and a vessel to steep in. You may even be able to grow your own herbs, or you may be able to harvest your own herbs wild crafting them. They may be just living around you once you start getting to know them. I know especially for herbs, like for instance, red raspberry leaf in this area is abundant. It's really quite weedy here. It's invasive in a lot of ways or opportunistic, you might say. And so what a beautiful medicine. Honestly, a beautiful womb medicine, a uterine tonic, but also a nourishing herb, a nutritive herb that we can be adding into our daily life that might be taking over your yard, right? It might be something that you're just taking down anyway, and you can actually be harvesting that herb and then drying it and then making it into teas all winter long. So getting to know the plants that are living around you, you can actually potentially have free, truly free abundant herbal medicine in the form of dried herbs that you find on your land or nearby that are growing wild and that you can then make into your your nutritive daily teas. So there's that, the simplicity and accessibility. But there's also the fact that making herbal tea is a ritual unto itself. It takes a certain amount of time and presence, and it's not just throwing a dropperful or two of tincture into some water and just slugging it down quickly. It's forming more of a relationship with the plants, and that is therapeutic in itself. So it's almost – I actually heard an herbalist recently talking about the idea of, in quotes, layered medicine, layered herbal medicine, and I think – Maybe she was speaking to adding flower essences to tinctures to honeys, you know, kind of the combined medicines that you can create, which is very powerful and amazing. But I also think that when we are thinking of layered medicine, we can be thinking of all of these pieces, especially when we're thinking of tea. Like I have a relationship to this plant that I grew or that I wildcrafted or that I found growing on my land. Then I harvested it with honor, with respect, with connection, harvested it. I then dried it. I then put it into storage for myself. And then I make tea out of it. And I have this relationship with this plant over time that, yes, of course, it takes time and it takes energy to do those things. But it's number one, free. And it's number two, accessible. It is here. And it is that relationship that you're forming throughout time and space throughout the seasons. You're getting to know the seasons. You're getting to know what comes out when. You're getting to know what these plants can offer to your body. And then you're starting to take them in. And you know the way that you really learn what they offer to your body is by actually taking them in, actually tasting them, actually getting a mouthfeel, actually smelling them, actually drinking them as tea or eating them as food if some of them are nutritive and you might be able to eat them as food. So this is what I consider to be fundamental, slow herbal medicine versus fast medicine. 
in, the, in this age of like everything being right at our fingertips, including pharmaceuticals and drugs that have like pronounced immediate effects, it's so ingrained in us that we just get what we want when we want it. But one of the things about herbs in general, in any form, even if we're talking tinctures, is that unless we're taking them acute in the moment for symptom relief, which sometimes we do that and we might take larger doses and we might actually feel an immediate effect, something like kava, for instance, you take a tincture of kava and you're probably going to feel that anxiolytic like anxiety reduction, you might notice numbing on your tongue. You know, there's certain things that you're probably going to notice with certain herbs. But for many herbs, especially when we're talking about like chronic conditions we're working with or just wanting to support ourselves over time, we're actually talking about long-standing relationships that we're cultivating with the herbs. And it's slow medicine. You know, it's slow medicine because we're taking these herbs Maybe once in the morning, once in the middle of the day, once in the evening. We have a rhythm that we're taking these herbs with. We have a rhythm throughout weeks and months that we might be working with these herbs and getting to know them and how they feel in our body. And it is this slow, sustained, deep support that they offer us. They start to help our bodies to remember how to respond differently. That's the way I think of how herbs work. It's not like a drug where it's just like, has just one kind of activity that it's doing. Herbs have many, many, many different constituents and many, many, many different actions. And so they're actually providing a lot of information for our bodies over time. And we co-evolved with them. So our bodies know how to respond to them, but also how to over time be in relationship with them. And that's what we're doing when we're bringing the herbs back in, in whatever form. But when we're talking about tea medicine, which is true slow medicine, when we brew that pot of hot water, we need patience. And then we pour that water over the herbs and we have to wait for the herbs to steep. And then when we're drinking the tea, we have to take time to drink the tea. We're not going to just chug it all down. I mean, you can, but generally we're taking sip after sip after sip. And you have the aromatics, the smell, you have the warmth, the taste, the mouthfeel. It is all a part of the medicine. And while we don't always feel that we have the time to add a practice like this, I know it could be very easy to be like, I don't have time to do that. But actually, most of us, I assure you that most of us have the ability to easily blend this kind of practice into whatever you're already doing in your kitchen or your daily life. It's the kind of thing where like you can heat up the water and then you can be doing something else while you're heating that water up, right? And then you have the herbs in your jar and you pour them in and then you just set the kitchen timer. That's what I usually do. I set the kitchen timer and then I go about doing whatever else I'm doing and then I hear the timer, it goes off, then I'll go strain it and then I'll pour the tea and then I will take the time to drink the tea. But it's not like I have to sit there for half an hour while I'm making the tea waiting for the tea. It's actually something that can just be worked into whatever your rituals and your rhythms already are. In our fast-paced world, the power of this kind of slow medicine cannot be overstated. I know right now I'm in a state where I actually feel slightly unwell. I might have COVID in me. I might have something going on. I'm very fatigued and my brain is working slowly. So maybe I'm especially oriented towards slow medicine at the moment. But honestly, it is what helps us to feel presence, the, the medicine of presence, the medicine of noticing, the medicine of paying attention, the medicine of coming back to our breath, 
of coming back to our bodies, of using our senses, right? Tea allows us to use our senses. So any kind of practice, it's almost could be even a tea meditation. You know, there's tea ceremony out there. There's different ways to work with tea, whether that is black tea, green tea, or herbal tea. There's many ways. There's even traditions. If you look into them, there's some traditions around certain plants where tea, where the plants were brewed in a certain way in a communal space, right? Cacao ceremonies are kind of like that. And cacao could arguably be considered an herb. Kava, similarly, there's different ways that they're brewed and they're shared together. So this is something that you could even consider bringing into your community, not necessarily those strong acting plants. It could even be just the simplicity of a nice herbal tea and talking about the aromatics, talking about the scent, talking about the taste, talking about the mouthfeel, just getting to know what are you feeling 15, 20 minutes after drinking this tea? Are you noticing any differences? Lots of ideas. So now that we've covered the basics, what is in my tea today? <laughs> that's the big question. Right? That's why that's the inspiration for this episode is what is in my tea today? Well, I'm going to be honest and say that this is my second hand blended tea of the day. I made one for just this morning that was more antiviral, diaphoretic, meaning that it helps to induce sweating and kind of bring up his temperature to try to break what he felt like was a fever and also just soothing. I needed – he wanted some nervous system soothing and I – well, I don't know if he wanted it, but I wanted to offer that. And so I drank some of that too because, of course, I've got something going on inside me. That one had like Tulsi, lemon balm, yarrow, elderflower, linden, licorice, and maybe there was something else in there. But after that, I was feeling a little low, honestly, emotionally uninspired. Like I said, kind of unclear on how I'd be more moving forward with this episode, just being really honest and open here, <laughs> transparent about it. And so I decided to go for something more energizing and uplifting and maybe a little nutritive. So what is in my tea? Let me take a sip of it. Just one sip. Mm. Mm. Okay, so first and common in many of my tea blends is Tulsi. Like I said, I, I have Tulsi in my tea. Tulsi or holy basil, which I consider to be just gently uplifting, supportive of focus, adaptogenic, so supporting us in our stress response, being more easeful in our stress response, blood sugar balancing, Carminative, meaning supporting easing the gas and bloating in our digestive tract. Also a little anti-inflammatory, calming to the inflammation response. Tastes good, can relieve anxiety. And just honestly, to me, Tulsi is a close friend. I don't think of plants. I Obviously, plants are not people. I realize that. But plants are plant people. Like I think of plants as friends. And as an herbalist, I know if you're an herbalist too, you probably have exactly the same experience. So Tulsi for me is a very close, nurturing, buoyant, generous, loving friend. And so adding Tulsi into my tea, I mean, I I really do believe that I drink Tulsi tea at least once a day. I have Tulsi in tea. And I have for years and years. <laughs> So just someone that I are a, a plant friend that I absolutely love and adore and have in most of my tea blends when it is an appropriate herb to blend. 
And then next, lemon balm. So I just love lemon balm. Like the taste is definitely more dulled out in dry bulk form than in fresh form. So what I love to do in the summertime is actually get some fresh lemon balm, just harvest some fresh lemon balm from one of my plants and add it to water. And actually just a cold infusion or a sun tea really brings out the aromatics of lemon balm in a way that you can't get as much with the dry herb. Even if I dry it really well, yes, there's still some of that citronella-y, like lemony, citrusy flavor, but it's nowhere close to what it is when it's fresh. And so it's really nice in the summer to have fresh lemon balm tea. That's one of my favorites. However, I love to bring the energy of lemon balm into my tea, my bulk tea blends too, partly because I feel like it tastes kind of nutritive and that it also does bring a little bit of that brightening of the spirit. I just feel the lemon balm brightening of the spirit and uplifting. And of course, it's also carminative and nervine, so has some nice other qualities to it as well. And then Damiana is also in my tea. So I really love Damiana. Not everyone loves Damiana. The taste is acquired. It's kind of floral, perfumey. Maybe it's a little hard to describe. There's a little bit of astringency, meaning kind of um, drying, a little bit of toning and drying. But it also feels invigorating. So it's got this combination of actions. It was actually one of my first herbal loves through smoking. (laughs) So that is a story for another time. But it was a key in my herbal blends to get over my tobacco habit. And it was Damiana and it was Mugwort and it was Mullen. That was, those were my three main allies. And I still to this day, those are some of my favorite plants. And honestly, I went for many years without incorporating Damiana regularly into my life. More recently, I've just been adding Damiana into my teas because I always thought, you know, so pigeonholed as an aphrodisiac, like, oh, Damiana, that's an aphrodisiac. But you know what? Damiana is a beautiful timoleptic, meaning uplifting nervine, like supportive for our nervous system, calming, reducing anxiety, but also uplifting, slightly stimulating and invigorating, nicely toning. To me, it tastes pretty good. It has some calming impact on the gut. And then it also brings energy throughout our body and to our womb space, really energizes and connects us to our bodies, to our sensual bodies. And so for me, Damiana is a lovely, even daily herb in my teas if I want it. I don't have it in every tea for sure. It's not like Tulsi for me, but it's something that I add in pretty regularly. So yeah, I love, I think for today, especially when I am in my sort of fatigued, low energy, dulled out brain space, having a little more connection to invigoration, to warming up my body feels really good. And then there's some red clover. So honestly, I added red clover because I saw them in a jar (laughs) and I thought about where I harvested them last summer. And like I said before, like having a relationship with the plants that you're drinking in tea just brings more of the landscape into your body, into your life. We just are cultivating more of that meaning and that relationship with the plants. And that is powerful and therapeutic unto itself. So I was thinking about summer and I was thinking about red clover and where I had harvested it. Mostly I added it for like that memory and the connection and also for the color of it. But I also think of them as a beautiful, nourishing herb, really nutritive. And of course they have other actions like they're lymphatic, support our our lymph to move and also even respiratory tonic. They have a little bit of moistening effect potentially, but really they're in my tea today for the sweetness of the memory 
and the connection to summer and just my place on the planet, my place here, where I am, what I have connection to, what summer feels like. That's a little uplifting unto itself. And then I added a little bit of chamomile, partly for the color, partly because I just love chamomile so much. You know, I am fairly fatigued today, but I chose a bunch of nervines, and I think that could be an interesting curiosity. Like, why are you choosing these relaxing nervines and putting them in your tea when you're feeling fatigued? But nervines are not always, unless it's like a really sedative nervine, then nervines don't necessarily put us to sleep unless we have a large amount of them, like a huge dose of them. But just adding into the blend kind of is calming easing for the system, easing for the gut. I mean, I feel like my gut is a little bit off today, easing for the gut. And also just that calming can actually support us being more grounded and focused versus being out in the clouds or our brains, you know, our attention going in different directions. It can help us to calm our body and, and get into our bodies, kind of come gently into our bodies. So carminative, calming, incredibly anti-inflammatory, lovely for gut health. Chamomile is a real star, is a really lovely plant to add in. Also just kind of tastes good. And then I added a few nettles, just a handful of nettles. I threw them in just for extra nourishment, a little mineral infusion, and to add a little bit of depth and earthiness to the tea. Nettles are an incredible plant ally, and I'll link to the entire episode about them so that you can hear more about all of their virtues. I could kind of go on and on about nettles. My brain is not in a place to do that right now, but nettles is an incredibly nurturing, nourishing plant that probably most of us could add into our lives and benefit from. So I will definitely add that into the show notes. And then I have rose. So I always add, almost always add rose for beauty, just at least a little sprinkling of rose petals for beauty because believe me, they really do bring in beauty medicine. And I think that is uplifting unto itself. And there is true medicine there, like I said before. They also feel like they uplift my heart. Like if I'm feeling a little bit down, then rose really does feel like it uplifts me. I love that feeling. They're slightly astringent and toning. And also I feel like they have an incredible affinity for connecting our womb and our heart space. So really helping me to connect with my sensuality and my sexuality, even my relationship with my womb space and my pleasure. And then also how that relates to my heart, the uplifting of my heart and also connection, connection with self, self-love even really remembering what it feels like to be in a world that includes the beauty of the rose. And how that feels on my skin. I can almost feel like the sensuality of that on my skin. If you imagine a rose petal fresh, you know, that soft and that beautiful scent of rose and just kind of like rubbing it on your cheek. There's just this sensuality and this sweetness and this silkiness almost. And also very uplifting and lovely. Rose is just a really, a really special herb, plant, flower for us to have relationship with. And then finally, a little bit of licorice. I really love licorice, partly because I tend towards dryness in my tissues, probably first and foremost. So licorice is a real ally for me, but also I do tend towards low blood pressure. So licorice can be helpful there too. It's actually been an incredibly helpful herb for me on my journey with POTS, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, which I probably haven't talked a ton about in here. A whole other episode on that maybe sometime, maybe. 
But licorice has been a really lovely ally for me over the years. And really, it's in this blend as a harmonizer more than anything. That's something that licorice is known to do is kind of harmonize the herbs. And it really does. It kind of helps to bring everything else together in a tea, partly because it's got that sweetness and the softness. And in this tea, it's otherwise fairly astringent or toning. So it's really nice to blend in that sweetness and softness. But that softness kind of does, it kind of invites everyone to play together versus being separate. It kind of like brings them together. Maybe that's just the way I'm envisioning it, but I really feel that that's what licorice is doing is that softening, that invitation to connect with each other. So licorice to me is a really good friend. And I think in a way that any herbs that have that mucilage, that kind of softening quality, demulcent quality, really do encourage a softening in ourselves, a movement towards being more gentle with ourselves, loving ourselves and accepting ourselves, which reminds me of a song that I learned 20 years ago, over 20 years ago, actually, in my study abroad program. The words were, I will be gentle with myself. I will love myself. I am a child of the universe being born each moment. I guess that I will sing it for you, and this will be just such a huge edge for me. I will be gentle with myself. I will love myself. I am a child of the universe. Being born each moment, I will be gentle with myself. I will love myself. I am a child of the universe. Being born each moment. I think I'll leave this here, beautiful friends. That is what I think of as licorice. I am clearly in a slightly altered state today. Uh, This is, I guess, not as short and sweet as I thought it might be. But uh, since I'm a bit under the weather, I hope that it has been clear and inspiring for you in ways that feel good, like you feel interested in exploring the simple, slow medicine of herbal tea in whatever ways that looks like for you. If you want the show notes of this episode, if you want to go check out any of those, the Nettles episode or the Tulsi episode or the Making Herbal Teas episode, I will make sure to link those on the show notes, which will be at herbalwomb.com forward slash episode 108 herbalwomb.com forward slash episode 108. And again, happy birthday to Herbal Womb Wisdom, two years old. Herbal Womb Wisdom is two years old. Until next week, my beautiful friends, live well, connect deeply, and have a beautiful